0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grade Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Matic. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Matic. This is our weekly look at the Fantasy Football Waiver Wire. We do this every Tuesday morning here on the program Pretty interesting week on the waiver wire, honestly, in the sense that everyone has a lot of players to be replacing. We are heading into the bye weeks. We have a ton of injuries. I mean, Justin Jefferson missing last week, CMC a bleak injury, Anthony Richardson out for the year. We we just have a lot to be dealing with. That isn't to say it is the, the greatest week ever on the history of the waiver wire, but we've got plenty of guys at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end to take a look at. So let's go ahead and get into it. Starting out at the quarterback position, um, this is just where I'm going to go. The quarterback position, outside of streaming guys, there's just not really anyone who I think is a real difference maker. Sam Howell is owned in 38% of leagues. He has a league-high dropbacks per game, 44.1. Desmond Ritter has actually been throwing the ball quite a bit. Tyrod Taylor has a good matchup this week against the Commanders. I really would not want to start him. I would actually prefer to start Josh Dobbs. So this is what uh, this is how I can break down the quarterback position right now. I don't see a single guy out there who you can add and say. This is my guy for the rest of the year. One note I would make in shallower formats, 12-team leagues with 16-man total rosters, is Dak Prescott is going to get dropped a good bit this week because the Cowboys are on bye. I would pick him up if I had a team that just lost Anthony Richardson or just has not found an answer at quarterback and try and hold him through the bye week. This is how I would rank the quarterbacks in terms of streaming this week. Howell first, Ritter second, Dobbs third, Taylor fourth, Aiden O'Connell fifth, and this is probably the most important guy I would add is that Malik Cunningham, I think, might get a surprise start at quarterback for the New England Patriots. I don't know if it's going to happen this week. I don't know if it's going to happen next week, but this is the worst the Patriots have ever played. They've never looked this bad. They had Malik Cunningham active last week as the backup quarterback over Bailey Zappi. The report before the game was that Will Greer was going to play, but Will Greer wasn't even designated the emergency quarterback three. So if you're not familiar with the way that works, basically you're allowed to say one guy's the emergency quarterback. He can't play. He's not, he doesn't count against the 48, but you can put him in in the game, and then the other quarterbacks can't come in. That wasn't even Will Greer. That was Bailey Zappi. So the deal is, Malik Cunningham is a fucking gnarly runner. 32 rushing touchdowns his final two seasons at Louisville. 50 total. Handled over 12 carries a game. Um, had 3,000 yards rushing in college. I just—I want— that, that is the that is a sort of guy who can kind of break the rules of fantasy football, kind of like uh, remember you know Terrell Pryor, one of these guys where they really were not effective throwing the ball, but they were adding like eight or nine points rushing per game. And then I guess the other thing to note is I I do not know operator by operator how this works, but if Malik Cunningham is designated as a wide receiver in any of your leagues. Um, I mean, I, I would have to go through and check, but if he is, he's definitely worth picking up because you might literally be able to start the Patriots quarterback at wide receiver. So that is the situation. Um at quarterback, you might be missing Anthony Richardson. You might be missing Trevor Lawrence. I would definitely say Howell is your guy. That that is who we are aiming for right now. All right. The running back position. Gotta start with Zach Evans. Kyron Williams not expected to play in week seven. Ronnie Rivers suffered a knee injury. He's going to be out for like a month. Zach Evans was not really a pass-catching running back at Ole Miss. He transferred away from TCU because, he, weirdly enough, uh, in converging stories, he didn't want to play behind Amari DiMercato, who we're going to talk about here in a second, and Kendra Miller. The Honestly, the kindest thing I can say for Zach Evans is that One running back is going to get the touches for the Rams. That's just kind of what Sean McVay does. Uh, In every game this year, 70% of the team's backfield touches have come from one player. Kyron Williams had a game where he played literally every single snap. I believe the only other running back on the Rams roster is Royce Freeman. If you are familiar with Royce Freeman's work, you know that he is not that good. Let me uh, let me double-check. Let me see if there's anyone else interesting. No, they don't even have another interesting guy on the practice squad. It is, it is Royce Freeman and Zach Evans. Royce Freeman is not going to play. I, I think we could see Zach Evans get every running back touch for the Rams in the games that Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers both miss. How much should you spend on him? Well... This is where I kind of get myself into trouble. I did feel pretty good about Amari Di last week. I got to eat that. I was wrong. Um, Now, obviously, Di I didn't put in that truly elite running back tier because Keontae Ingram was there. I definitely did not account for Damian Williams coming in. We're going to talk about Damian Williams here in a second. I think the issue, or not the issue, but the point with Evans is the way we should be thinking about running back ads is the guys that you want to be adding for a lot of your fab are the guys who have the ability to just earn the role outright or keep some flex value even when the injury guy comes back. And I think Zach Evans. Pretty nicely fits in that mold. I mean, he could just play better than Kyron Williams. I, I mean, Kyron was phenomenal in that game against Arizona, but he could. It's possible. Evans was an efficient college running back, averaged seven yards per carry at Ole Miss, and had a pretty good combine at 210 pounds. It's not like a great profile, but it's also not a bad one. So I think you can kind of go on that 30 to 35% range. Now, I, I would also say... If Evans is not going to be in your starting lineup this week, I think you just need to do a a defensive bid, you know, 20, 25% or something like that. Moving to the San Francisco 49ers running backs, I would rank them in this order. Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell, Tyrion Davis-Price. Jordan Mason was playing ahead of Elijah Mitchell after CMC left that game. The Twitter doctors and the 49ers coaching staff don't seem that concerned about this oblique injury for McCaffrey. The reporting makes it sound like he is going to be a game-time decision on Monday Night Football, so this puts us in a tricky circumstance where if you are a CMC owner, you probably want to get one of these guys. Mason, I wouldn't go above 15% for, wouldn't go above 10 to 12% for Elijah Mitchell, and I think you can do $1 bids on Tyrion Davis' price, but that is the order that I would put them in. I'm just not that excited about these guys, because I don't think CMC will miss, and even if he does, you it's just going to be like, okay, I'm setting my lineup on Sunday, what's the report on CMC, You know, do I have another Monday Night Football guy, Like, could you just get yourself into a weird spot there, and I don't feel that good about it. I feel better about Kareem Hunt, who was in a roughly 50-50 split with Jerome Ford last week. Now, Ford had this great last drive against the 49ers that kind of helped them win the game. But really, the important thing here is that Pierre Strong only played one offensive snap, and it was really just a, a true backfield committee. And Hunt has not played a ton. Uh, he's not ran a ton of routes, which is kind of the, the role that I thought he would be in. But this is just clearly a team that wants to run the ball. The defense is going to keep them in good scripts to run the ball quite a bit, especially while they're playing with these dust ball quarterbacks. I think you can go 15% or so on Hunt. Next up, we have Craig Reynolds. David Montgomery is expected to miss multiple weeks. Zonovan Knight is on the IR. Devin Ozigbo actually subbed in for the Lions last week. Maybe you could spend a buck on him, although I probably wouldn't. Dan Campbell said Jameer Gibbs is feeling better, but I don't think it's a lock that he plays in Week 7. Reynolds is like very clearly a replacement-level player, maybe even below replacement level, but... The coaches do like him. He blocks very well. Obviously, we all saw his insane block on the Amon Ross-St. Brown touchdown against the Bucks. I do think the coaches like him. I personally probably will not bid on Reynolds in any league because I think the combination, the combinatorial odds of Gibbs being back this week and even if Gibbs isn't back, seeing a path to wanting to start Reynolds— I just like in the types of formats where he's going to be rostered. I I don't want to make competitive bids on on guys like this because the chances of him having a real role, especially when Gibbs returns, are are just so low. So really, wouldn't go higher than like eight nine percent on him. And and that's probably not going to get him in a lot of these leagues. I mean, they're running backs on buy the CM, maybe you know the CMC owner like bids on him instead of bidding on Mason Mitchell or TDP or whatever. It just it feels like a, a tough spot that I'm not all that interested in. Can't believe we're here, uh, but Latavius Murray and Leonard Fournette, Tom Pellicero reported that Leonard Fournette wants to sign with the Bills, then said he actually has not visited the Bills. I don't know. We'll see. I, I Just regardless, I think you can stash Fournette right now because there are so many running back injuries around the league, but... Latavius just straight-up started the game for the Bills. He got the first two drives to himself against the Giants. He had been getting third downs and short yardage stuff, even with Harris active. Damian Harris suffered a, a pretty serious injury against the Giants. You know, I Latavius Murray is like, a week he gets a touchdown, he will probably be startable, and the Bills have actually uh, one of the few cases of teams saying something for real in the offseason and then doing it, but Josh Allen ranks 20th amongst all quarterbacks in designed runs. They're just really not doing it that much. Latavius Murray has played... At least 15 snaps in every game except the loss against Jacksonville. Um, he scored two touchdowns this year. He has been targeted in every game other than the Giants game. I mean, 49% of the snaps against the Giants. Like he's just like pretty much the starting running back for the Bills. So it feels fucking gross. But I I think eight, nine, ten percent. Like I would rather add Latavius Murray than Craig Reynolds, which I can't believe that I am saying. The Arizona. Cardinals running backs. So Keontae Ingram was the lead rusher. Damian Williams subbed in for Ingram, actually ran pretty well. De Mercado barely played in the first half, but then ended up running, uh, I think, 26 routes, and then Damian and Ingram didn't even combine to run 20 together because they were getting blown out in the second half. I, I mean, Ingram is at least kind of interesting to me because I think he might be good. And if we're parsing it out this way, if it's a three-way split, you don't want to start any of them. They're not good enough. They're not going to score enough points. They're not going to sustain enough drives to get there. But Damien could go to zero. Ingram could eat up all of the stuff that Damien just had against the uh against the the Rams. And then Demarcado could just kind of stay in his passing down, long down and distance role. It'd be like a 60-40 split. And Ingram would kind of be startable in the same way that James Conner was startable there. So I I would spend, uh I call it, call it 12% on Keontae Ingram. You could spend a dollar on Damian Williams. You know, if Keontae Ingram gets injured, then Damian's going to be the early down rusher. But it's not a spot to like jam. Then finally, we have Keaton Mitchell. He was activated off the IR before the Ravens-London game. Didn't play an offensive snap. My assumption is that Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake, one or both of them, are going to be waived or stashed on the practice squad. Mitchell will be the third back behind Gus Edwards or Justice Hill. Neither Edwards nor Hill have played really all that well. I imagine that we are going to start to see Mitchell get a couple cracks maybe as soon as this week. I also think Mitchell is going to be dropped a lot this week because he was activated but didn't play against the Titans, and I'll be looking to stash him on my teams that are like 4-2 and or better and have space on the bench. Moving to wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt played a season-high 73% of the offensive snaps for the Giants as Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell have been sent to the glue factory, sort of Wandale, Slayton, and Hyatt as the main three wide receivers, with Bellinger playing quite a bit and them only playing two wide receivers. Hyatt, I think just in general in fantasy football, is probably the highest upside wide receiver available. I think I would drop Quentin Johnston for him at this point, which feels insane because the Chargers are so much better of an offense, but clearly the Chargers just don't don't really want to play Quentin Johnston. I really liked Hyatt's profile coming out of Tennessee. And if the Giants ever like if this offensive line gets fixed, and I'm not like I am not inside the Giants. I, I don't know what would have to happen to do that. I know they have a very good left tackle who has not played since week one. But if that ever happens, and the Giants are, are, are serious to some degree, I do think Hyatt could kind of be the guy you needed in the back half of the season. Wandale is still our preferred Giants wide receiver, but I think Hyatt you could go like 5 to 10% on, and he's a pretty good stash. Kendrick Bourne played 93% of the offensive snaps for the Patriots with uh, Juju and DeMario Douglas out. Kayshawn Booty was still a healthy scratch. I don't really want to be starting any Patriots player but if the wide receiver configuration remains the same as it was against the Raiders, I would expect five to eight targets weekly for Bourne. Tyquan Thornton was also activated from the IR, but only played six offensive snaps. Probably the last person on earth still thinking this, but I'm keeping the light on for Thornton. He's the only player with any speed on the entire team. You could spend a buck on him. Wouldn't go higher than three to 8% of your remaining fab on Bourne. Ray Ray McLeod. When Debo Samuel doesn't play, McLeod just subs in for him one-to-one. Ronnie Bell is the IUC replacement. Debo injured his shoulder versus Cleveland. McLeod played 71% of the offensive snaps, got two carries, two targets. No one's really that excited about McLeod, but the Debo role in the 49ers offense, you know, it's, it's not nothing. Probably gets at least five touches on Monday night if Debo doesn't play, and if CMC doesn't play, I think that adds more into the get the guy in space and around, you know, nonsense. Shanahan loves that stuff. Uh final wide receiver, Micah Wilson remains the starting boundary wide receiver opposite of Hollywood Brown. Rondell Moore still slot only. Um, upside is just kind of hard to come by for wide receivers off the waiver wire. And and really the nicest thing I can say about Dobbs is that he gives his wide receivers chances to make plays down the field. Marquise Brown is fifth in the NFL in total air yards. And Michael Wilson has an dot of 17.1 on 23 targets. So a lot of the times we think about, okay, I got to add a wide receiver off the waiver wire so I can just not take a zero this week. And I, I sort of think that's the wrong way to think about it. Uh, I think that you actually want guys more like Michael Wilson and Jalen Hyatt. Where yeah, sure. Sometimes when you start them, they might literally not get a reception, or they might have like one catch for eighteen yards. But on the weeks Michael Wilson hits, compared to all oh, you know, um, Jerry Judy's on bye, or or I can't start T Higgins this week for whatever reason. You, I think you kind of want guys who can score. 22 points, which Michael Wilson has already done this year, uh, the two-touchdown game against the 49ers. So Wilson, I still really like as a, as a stash. Uh, our number one out of the week comes at the tight end position. I actually think I might even like him for what he's going to cost more than Zach Evans. He ran 75% of the routes against the Patriots, led the team in receiving yards. Austin Hooper ran only nine routes. Uh, he actually, I think he had three receptions on the Raiders' first drive of the game, for me it was really just a matter of when not if Michael Meyer would break out. The breakout already happened. Now in tight end premium formats like the FFPC, I I might bid more on Meyer than I would on Zach Evans, you know, 35, 40, 45% something like that. I'd have to do a little bit more thinking, read some other content of what people are doing in the main event, but Meyer just feels like a smash to me. I mean, I have these teams that are starting Hunter Henry and Pat Friermuth and Kylan Granson, and these guys just all stink. They have no ceiling. They don't even really have any floor. Meyer, I think, if he retains this role, and actually, he should probably build on this role. If he gets to 80, 85% of the routes, uh, it's just going to be a smash because the the team is, um, they benched Hunter Renfro. Uh, it sounds like they're maybe trying to trade his contract, which is sort of interesting. I mean, he Maybe he should go to the Chiefs or something, but... If Renfro's not playing and it's just Jacoby Myers, Michael Meyer, and Devontae Adams as like the primary receiving guys there, I feel like this I feel like that's just a really good role. Taysom Hill just straight up played receiving tight end against the Houston Texans. Um, he actually was leading them in receiving for most of the game. Then Alave ended up passing him in the fourth quarter. Now on the FFPC, Taysom is listed as a quarterback, but most other formats he's listed as a tight end. I think the key thing to realize is that with Juwan Johnson out, if Taysom is just going to be a tight end, he's still going to have the same wildcat gadget, quarterback snap, upside, you know, thing like that. But he, it's going to come with a floor of like, I don't know, five points or whatever receiving. In the past, Taysom has really always been a best ball play and then someone to ignore and managed. But again, if he's got a little bit of receiving floor and he's got the multi-touchdown upside because he's Taysom Hill, I feel like that kind of puts him in the range of maybe starting him in uh, in some weekly spots. So I, I think adding him is a good idea on teams that are just kind of dead at tight end. Our final guy of the week, Trey McBride. I'm kind of putting him in the same bucket as Mayer, but just less expensive because he plays for the Cardinals, and his breakout was not as obvious, but he played a season-high in total snaps and snap percentage versus the Rams, saw a season-high five targets. I think the Zach Ertz show is probably trending towards being over I would expect a continual and gradual ramping up of McBride's snaps and targets over the next few weeks until, you know, week nine, week 10. He's just pretty much an every down player. The team also might trade Zach Ertz to a more competitive team. I think he'll be able to sneak through Mayor, uh, sneak through McBride ch- more cheap than Mayer this week. You know, let's say Mayor goes on average for $310 in the FFPC. I bet McBride's more like 115 to $135. Um, team that is not desperate at tight end five to eight percent more desperate at tight end i think you could do you know 100 ffpc bucks or whatever on him and then just like one to two percent in regular non-tight end premium that's going to do it for us here this week at the sports grid fantasy football podcast waiver wire look I uh, hope that was useful hope that was helpful as always if you've got any questions feel free to uh, mention me on twitter later guys Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Breezes, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.